you can do me a favor this morning, before you take your seats, can we lift our hands there where you're standing? The lifting of our hands is a simple act of surrenderance. I think there's no better way to start our week than surrendering everything unto God. Can we say amen to that this morning? Can we go into prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've allowed us to come and worship the name that's above all names, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior. Father, I pray this morning that you would open every heart and every ear and every mind that is in this place, that every word I speak would be led by the power of the Holy Spirit. That I would not preach of my name, but I would preach of the name that's above all names, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Father, I pray this morning that if there's anybody sick in this place, that as we lift our hands, I pray right now that you would begin to extend your hand, that you would touch that body right now. That maybe somebody comes with a broken heart, Father, I pray that you would begin to mend that heart, not in our name, but in the name of Jesus Christ. For you alone deserve all the honor and all the glory. And the church says, amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? Once again this morning, before you take your seats, just greet somebody, two or three, and welcome them to the house of God this morning. Amen. And as you have done so, you may take your seats this morning. It's always a joy uh, to be with uh, Kingsway Church. As Brother George mentioned, I, I always feel at home when I am here. Uh, for those that may not know me, my name is Mark uh, Carrillo. I'm originally from San Marcos, and so uh, it's always a joy to be with y'all. Uh, this past week, I, God uh, let me and God blessed me to uh, celebrate another year of life. Amen. We can always be thankful to God for that. And so I praise God for that blessing and giving me uh, another year of life. I won't say how old I am, but I still am young. We'll just say that. Amen. Uh, just a brief testimony of myself. Every time I celebrate a birthday, I always think back uh, to the day, of course, when I was born and as those years continued. A lot of people may not know my testimony, but when my mom was pregnant of myself, of me, uh, they couldn't find a heartbeat uh, within my life, within my body. And so my mom was bedridden for over a month. And during that time, my dad was a pastor in Luling, Texas, I believe not too far uh, from here. But uh, during that time, uh, my mom, she was bedridden for over a month. And during that time, my dad would go to church by himself because my mom was there in the hospital. And uh, after the services, my dad would go to the hospital and be with, uh, with my mother. And so my dad would share with me that when my mom was there and she was in the hospital for over a month, uh, he would go visit her. And uh, after he would visit her, he would go back to the church and he would share with me that he would spend hours there just praying to God that he would give his son life. 
he would share with me that there would be nights where he would cry out to God and say, God, spare my son. Give him life. May those doctors find a heartbeat. And this young boy, Mark. Um, and as a month went by, uh, they did some more tests. And obviously, praise God, God gave me life. Can somebody say amen to that? And I share this simple testimony with you, and every time I have an opportunity uh, to encourage the parents, never stop praying for your children. I mean, there, maybe there's some parents here this morning that uh, your kids may not be on the right track, or maybe they be going uh, another way, but never stop praying for your children. I'm a simple testimony of what God can do when Parents continue to pray for their children. And so I just felt that I wanted to share that with you. And I thank God for another year of life uh, this past week. Amen. Are we ready for the word of God this morning, church? If you have your Bibles and if we can stand just in reverence uh, of the scriptures this morning. Uh, I want to go to the letter of Paul. Colossians chapter 1, the letter of Paul to the Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, there starting in verse 28. And then from there we'll go to Colossians chapter 3, there starting in verse uh, 23. Colossians chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 28, we'll read a verse there. And then we'll go to the third chapter of Colossians, there starting in verse 23. Amen. Uh, this morning I'll be reading from the New American Standard uh, Bible this morning. Colossians chapter 1, there starting in verse 28, says, We proclaim him, abonishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. Can we say that this morning? Complete in Christ. Turn to your neighbor this morning and say, Complete in Christ. And then we'll go to Colossians chapter 3. Uh, there, starting in verse 23. Amen. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. This morning, church, for the next few minutes, I want to speak on uh, the subject, Jesus is still enough. Can you turn to your neighbor once again and say, Jesus is still enough. Turn to your other neighbor and say, Jesus is still enough. Let us pray again. Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for this time that you've allowed us not only to come and worship, the name that's above all names, but also to come and hear the word of the living God. Father, again, I pray that you would open our hearts, our ears, and our minds to receive this word. You alone deserve all the honor and all the glory. The church says amen and amen. You may take your seats this morning. Jesus is still enough. Can somebody say amen to that this morning? And before I jump into... The message, I'm going to share four simple questions with you this morning. Before I ask those questions to us this morning, I want to lay 
a foundation on how and how Paul is writing this letter uh, to the Colossians. I believe that Paul wrote over 13 letters within uh, the New Testament. And you'll come to learn that Paul was a wise man. Paul had gone through a lot of stuff. And I think one thing that I get from Paul is he knew that Jesus was still enough. That no matter what circumstances may come his way, no matter what problems, no matter what trials, no matter what questions, what doubts, what fears would come in his life, he knew that he could depend on a man by the name of Jesus Christ. Church, Jesus is still enough. And we see this morning that Paul is writing this letter to the Colossians. And if you've ever studied this letter, you'll come to find out that Paul's desire as he was writing this letter, he wanted to show the Colossians that we have completeness in a man by the name of Jesus. And nothing in this world can complete your life but that man, the man of Jesus Christ. Jesus is still enough. The young people that are here, you can try to find things within this world to complete your life. You can try to find things to, to, to fill that void that may be in your heart, but I'm here to tell you that it's only Jesus Christ that can fill that void. You can try the things of this world. You can try uh, alcohol. You can try drugs. You can uh, even try uh, being in, in a relationship, or you can even try things of this world, but it's only Jesus Christ that can complete our lives, church. That was Paul's desire that as he was writing this letter, he wanted to show the Colossians that we have completeness in Jesus Christ. He not only wanted to show that we had completeness, but he wanted also to lead believers into spiritual maturity. He wanted to show the Colossians that we must grow in the things of God. I heard a pastor once say, uh, he would tell his congregation that if you are still in my church after 10 years, then something is wrong. You need to go out and do the things God has called you to do. And I know that this church, the word of God is being preached behind this pulpit. And I know that there are many of us in here right now that have a calling from God. I know there are future preachers in this place. I know there are future evangelists. There are future missionaries. There are future Sunday school teachers. There are future worship leaders right now. But my question is, have you answered the call of God? Have you matured? Have you grown in the things of God? I remember as a kid, I would go to, uh, to, to church every Sunday. For those that know, my dad's an assistant pastor now in San Marcos, and he's been there with Pastor Montoya for over 45 years now. And I remember being raised in church all my life, and I thought I knew everything about the Bible. Has that ever happened to you? You go to church. Me, I was always the, the, the one in the front, in the front pew, because my dad was the, the assistant pastor, and Back then, they didn't allow you to bring toys. They didn't allow you to bring iPads or whatever uh, kids bring nowadays. And there was nights where it would be a Sunday night service, and we wouldn't get out at 10 or 10.30 at night. Anybody remember those, those Sunday night services? 
They didn't care if you had school the next day. You were going to be in church. But I remember when I began to actually study the word of God. So much revelation, church, will come to your life when you actually open this book. This book brings life. And we see this morning that Paul did not just want to show the Colossians that we have completeness in a man by the name of Jesus, but that we must grow in the things of God. He want his Another desire of his was that he wanted to teach about the new life we have in Christ. Church, do you remember the first time, the time you accepted Jesus in your life? Do you remember the changes that began to come within your life? Do you remember you would see things differently within your life? Young person, if you've not accepted Jesus in your life, Jesus will bring change to your life. Can somebody say amen this morning? Jesus is still enough. This morning, we see the first question that I want to ask you. And if you're one to take notes, I encourage you to do so this morning. The first question that I ask you is, how is your private life? We've read in, a Coloss in Colossians chapter 3 there, starting in verse 23, it says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the, award, the, the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. My first question to us this morning is, how is your private life? Are you the same person that as you walk into this church as the same person you walk out? Are you the same person as you're in your room when the door is closed as you walk into this church? How is your private life? Paul writes to the Colossians and he says, whatever you do, don't do it for mom or dad. Don't do it for your pastor. That's great that you, you sometimes you do that for your pastor or for your grandma or for, for your grandpa or for your mom or dad, whatever it is. But whatever you do, Paul says, do it for the Lord. Mijo, go clean your room. What's our response? I remember those days when I was living with my parents. Yes, dad, I'll clean my room. I was that young person that would throw all my clothes into the closet. That's how I would clean my room. Mijo, take the trash out. Yes, Dad. Or do we give a little attitude sometimes? I remember those days. I'll be honest with you. But Paul was saying, whatever we do, don't do it for man, but do it for God. And he gives us that promise that if we do it, if we have that attitude of doing it not for anyone else, but for God, we will receive that reward of the inheritance. And I've learned that, church, that when you do things for God, God will bless you. If you take care of his business, God will take care of your blessings. And Paul says, whatever you do, do it for God rather than for men. How is your private life? The second question that I want to ask is, how is your prayer life? And if we can go to Colossians chapter 4, there starting in verse 2, Paul writes to the Colossians and he says, Devote yourselves to what? To prayer. Keeping alert 
with an attitude of what? Complaining? No, Paul says with an attitude of thanksgiving. Verse 3 says, praying at the same time for us all, for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word that, so that we may speak forth the mysteries of Christ, for which I have also been in prison, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. How is your prayer life? How is your private life? Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer. How simple it is as Paul writes that. Devote yourself to prayer. But church, can we be honest this morning how hard it is at times to pray? I'm being honest with you. It's hard sometimes for me to pray. We live busy lives, but God, Paul is saying, devote ourselves to prayer. I believe I've shared this story here before, but I'll share it again. I remember a few years ago, a couple of years ago, when I was living there back home, I remember learning about prayer. It was, again, as I shared earlier, it was one of those Sunday nights where we had church. We got out of church about 10, 1030 at night, and I had school that next morning. And I remember falling asleep back at home, and I woke up in the early hours of the morning on Monday morning, 2 o'clock in the morning. I've shared this story before, but I want to share it again. And I remember as I woke up, I went to my uh, parents' kitchen, and I went to the refrigerator, and I got me a nice cold bottle of water because I was thirsty. And as I was drinking that water, I was there in, in my parents' uh, kitchen, and as I was drinking that water, I heard like somebody was talking. I think the first thought that came to my mind was, God, you know, is that you? And I said, Mark, you're half asleep. Just go to sleep, drink your water, and go back to bed. And as I was drinking my water again, I heard like somebody was talking, church. And I remember as I stepped back from the kitchen, I looked into my parents' living room, and there I saw my dad praying. Two in the morning. And I don't say this story to boast of my, my father, but... I share this for a simple reason. As I saw him praying, I think the first thought that came to my mind was, Mark, if your dad sees you, he's going to ask you to pray with him. <laughs> so I remember I closed my, that refrigerator door and I began to tiptoe to my room. When all of a sudden, I heard my dad's voice. Mark, is that you? Man. Two in the morning. Yes, Dad, it's me. And he goes, come here. He goes, come sit on the couch. And he sat me there. And he goes, Mark, did I scare you? I said, a little bit, Dad. I'm here. I thought I was hearing voices. And church, I remember like if it was yesterday. It was that morning, two in the morning, where my dad taught me the importance of prayer. After he talked to me for a few minutes, I remember sitting there on the couch with my dad. And we simply began to pray. And parents, listen to me carefully. Your children are watching you what you do. 
Your children are hearing everything you say. Your children are seeing everything you see. And it always comes back to that famous Proverbs, train up, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, when she is old, she will not depart from it. How is your prayer life? Paul writes to the Colossians and he says, devote yourselves to prayer. Church, you'll come to learn, learn that when you spend time with God, God will speak to your life. When you spend time with God, when you open the word of God, God will speak to your life, church. How is your prayer life? How is your private life? The third question that I want to ask you is how is your public life? And we see it there in Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. Conduct yourself with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each other. How is your public, how is your private life? How is your prayer life? The third question that I want to ask you this morning is how is your public life? Do the people that you go to school with know you're a Christian? Do the people you work with know that you're a believer? How is your public life this morning? And I remember as I was reading this in Colossians chapter 4, and as Paul was saying, let your speech be with grace as though seasoned with salt. I thought about that. I said, God, what does that mean, seasoned with salt? I've, I have an uncle, my mom's brother. He's a man that puts a lot of salt on his food. Is there any men or women here that love salt? Amen. We got some honest people here this morning. And I remember this past December, all of my, my, fa my mom's family comes to our house in San Marcos for Christmas. And so for us, our tradition is we have menudo, we have tamales, we have buñuelos, and all that good stuff. And so there's my uncle. He has his big bowl of menudo. He has his tamales. And the first thing he does, he gets that salt shaker and he begins to put salt on his food. Just throwing it on there, just a lot of salt. And he's also a man that he drinks a Coke in a glass cup because he says it tastes better. I agree on that. I don't know what it is, but a nice Coke in a glass cup, it tastes better. So he's eating his food, and as he's eating his food, guess what happens? With a lot of salt, what happens when you eat a lot of salt? You begin high blood pressure. Yeah, that's, that's true. Not only that, yeah. But you begin to get thirsty. You eat a lot of salt. You're like, man, I'm going to go try that, Brother Mark. I'm going to see if that's true. But as you put a lot of salt in your food and you begin to eat it, you begin to get thirsty. So he gets his Coke and he begins to drink it. And I remember as I read these verses, I believe God gave me a simple revelation. He says, Mark, if your speech is seasoned with salt, 
those non-believers, if they hear you speak about a man by the name of Jesus Christ, they will begin to also be thirsty for the presence of God. Can somebody say amen this morning? That there is a dying world out there searching for answers. And as believers, we have that answer. The answer is Jesus Christ. Jesus is still enough. Paul says, conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt. How is your private life? How is your prayer life? How is your public life? And the last question that I want to share with you this morning is how is your life? Begin to examine your life right now. Begin to examine your heart. How is your life. Maybe some come this morning and say, you know, Brother Mark, my life is a success. I've had some good things happen in my life. Maybe some come this morning and say, Brother Mark, my life has been a failure. I've had many failures within my life. I've had many disappointments within my life. How is your life? I believe in James, it says that our lives are like a vapor. Like they just disappear. Maybe some this morning come with questions in their lives. Maybe some this morning come with concerns or doubts or even fears or some troubles. But church, can I tell you that there is a God in heaven that knows every need within our lives. And he is here this morning to meet you at your need. This morning, if we can go to the gospel or to the gospel of Mark, Mark chapter four. I'm almost finished here this morning. I don't want to be too long, but if we can go to Mark chapter four, there starting in verse thirty five. And this is the story. This is the scene where Jesus. Calms the storm. Mark chapter 4, there, starting in verse 35, and it says, On that day when evening came, he said to them, Let us go over there to the other side. Verse 36 says, Leaving the crowd, they took him along with him in the boat, just as he was, and the other boats were with him, and other boats were with him. Verse 37, and there arose a fierce gale of wind and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern asleep on the cushion. They woke him and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and rebuked the wind and he said to the sea, hush. Be still. The wind died down and it became perfectly calm. He said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? They became very much afraid and they said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I want you to imagine this story, church, that Jesus is there with his disciples 
And they're there within the village. And he says to his disciples, let us go over there to the other side. Bible says they began to go to the other side. There were other boats with him. And as they were in that boat, scriptures describes that there began a big storm coming. That storm began to hit that boat so much, the Bible says, that the waves began to come into the boat. The disciples are there and they're saying, teacher, where are you? Do you not care that we are perishing? Where does the Bible say Jesus was? Jesus was in the stern asleep. And I love how the Bible gives descriptions. The Bible says that Jesus wasn't just asleep, but Jesus was asleep on what? A cushion. Simple descriptions, but I think so much revelation in that. To me, that shows Jesus wasn't just asleep, but Jesus was having some good sleep. Like those Sunday nap sleeps. Amen. Jesus is in the stern asleep on a cushion, and the disciples are asking, Jesus, where are you? Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And Jesus asked them a simple question, why are you afraid? Where is your faith? Is what Jesus asked them. The Bible says Jesus got up and he said three simple words, hush, be still. And again, another description, the Bible says the storm didn't just become calm, but the storm became perfectly calm. And I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but maybe you feel like the disciples felt that night. Where you feel like every storm, every wave, every, uh, uh, every storm of life is hitting you from every corner. And maybe you're asking yourself this morning, God, where are you? Do you not care that I am perishing? Do you not know the questions that I have? Do you not know the concerns, the needs that I have? God, where are you? But church, I think it's safe to say that the disciples were just as safe as Jesus was asleep than when Jesus was awake. Jesus got up and he said three simple words. I love when Jesus says three simple words. You'll see in the Gospel of John, I believe in the 19th chapter, Jesus says three words. He's on the cross. He says, I am thirsty. Bible says a soldier brought him a drink because Jesus was thirsty. But after he began and he got that drink, he received that drink. Jesus said three other words. It is finished. I love when Jesus says three words. And in this story, Jesus says, hush, be still. And I think this morning that is what God is trying to tell us, church. That Jesus is still enough. That whatever you may be going through this morning, whatever circumstance you may be facing, whatever sickness you may have within your life, Whatever financial need you may have right now, Jesus is still enough. He'll always be enough. I remember I heard a preacher once say, can it be that there is a God that loves us? 
Could it be that there's a God that knows us by name? Could it be that there's a God that knows our need, church? Yes, there is a God that loves us. Yes, there is a God that knows your need. Young people, yes, they're the God that loves you. Jesus is still enough. I know I see God's already working in this place. So I'm going to ask if we can stand this morning. And with the permission of the pastor, I just want to make an altar call this morning. That whatever need you may have this morning. Maybe this morning you do come with a sickness in your body. Maybe this morning you do have some questions or you have some doubts or even fears. But church, I'm here to tell you that there is a God that can meet you at your need. And so as Brother Josh just leads us in a worship song, this altar is open. I invite you to come. Whether you feel comfortable standing, whether you feel comfortable kneeling, however you feel comfortable, I want you to come to this altar and believe with faith. Come with faith that God will meet you at your need. In the name of Jesus, this altar is open, church. We praise you, Lord, this morning that you would continue to speak to our lives right now. That we would examine our hearts, Father. That we would examine our lives right now, Lord. I pray this morning that you would begin to tune your ears to the prayers. And even to the cries of your people right now, Father. That you would begin to extend your hand and that you would begin to touch their lives. From the crown of their head until the soles of their feet.